Well, hello everyone and welcome to Christmas Eve at Grace. Well, it was about 213 years ago that the first radio message went out over the airwaves. Reginald Fessenden, a university professor in Pittsburgh, spoke into a simple microphone and radio was born. But do you know what the first message was that was ever heard on radio that night in 1906? The professor read these words, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Shocked radio operators and stunned telegraph operators were amazed at what they were hearing over their tiny little speaker systems that they were interrupted by this professor reading from the Gospel of Luke. And although there were very few people who heard that first broadcast, it must have seemed to them like an absolute miracle. Professor Fessenden didn't realize the sensation that he was causing. He didn't know that men and women were rushing to their wireless units to hear this Christmas miracle. But when he finished the recitation of Christ's birth, then he picked up his violin. And the next thing that happened on this first broadcast was he played the song, O Holy Night. And when the carol ended, so did that first broadcast, but it did not until music had found a new medium, a new medium by which the gospel could be taken around the world. This is indeed a holy night. It is a night like no other as we celebrate Christ's birth. And after that first broadcast, the song, O Holy Night, became so popular, it was one of the most recorded, one of the most beloved Christmas hymns ever. And today, I want to unpack the lyrics of it a bit for us, because they're so biblical, they're so relevant to where we live today. This is an awesome, awesome Christmas Eve, and God's Word is one that's very personal for every single one of us, no matter who you are. First of all, this is a night like no other because it acknowledges the high stakes involved in Christ's mission. Listen to some of these lyrics. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. The Bible teaches that we've all sinned and separated ourselves from God. And we're not just sinners. Honestly, we kind of struggle and wallow even in our sin and error. Now, the word pining used there is not a word we often use today. It really means yearning. There's this deep yearning in our hearts because we want to be free from the guilt of our sin. We want to know somehow to deal with the anxiety and fears in our lives, especially the fear of death and all that that involves. And Jesus came to earth on a rescue mission to save us from a life 
gone astray. He came to bring us to God and reconcile us to the Father. And that is good news. Good news indeed. You know, I am often asked by pastor and priest friends of mine and acquaintances around the area, how do you explain what God has done at Grace Fellowship? They'll say things like, we drive by and the parking lot is so full and we're amazed. And, and while other groups are closing down churches, you seem to be at Grace like, like you're flourishing. Why is that, they'll ask. And I'll always say something like, well, it's a total work of God, because it is. And I'll usually say, you know what, nobody at Grace is smart enough, wise enough, witty enough, insightful enough to make that happen. It's a sovereign work of God, and it is. But eventually, in giving an answer, I'll usually say something like this. You know what really amazes me about Grace Fellowship is that the people of Grace really believe the gospel is good news. And they want to share it with their friends and family and co-workers. And good news is contagious. And friends, we need a reminder, especially I think at Christmas time, how good the good news really is. In fact, let me tell you, it's better than good. It is fantastic. Let's imagine that you were a passenger on the Titanic. And an angel comes to you and gives you a prophetic insight into what's about to happen. And the angel says, now look, I want to warn you. This ship has just struck an iceberg and it's taking on water very rapidly. So please listen to my advice. Do what I say if you want to be saved. Get in a lifeboat and there will be a rescue ship coming in about four hours or so to save you and take you away. Now, if you heard that message from an angel, what would you do? I think I know what you'd do. You would go immediately and seek to get in a lifeboat and you would try to get everyone you love and care about to get in a lifeboat also. And your message would not be one of condemnation and gloom, no, but it would be a message of urgency, reality, and hope. You would want everyone you possibly could win and persuade to believe you that there's only one way we're going to get out of this alive. Lives are in the balance. The stakes are high here. That would be your message. And folks, I want you to know, I feel that way every single weekend here at Grace. So please understand, Christmas is not a quaint little story about a child that grew up in poverty and, and impacted the community. No, no. Christmas reminds us of our true condition. We are lost and sinking in sin, floundering on the sea of life with no hope. In fact, Scripture puts it like this. We are without God and without hope in this world. I think you'll agree that's a pretty bleak description. 
But God cared so much for you and me. He came on a rescue mission to save us in our hopelessness. I think that whole message is summed up in a nutshell in John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But do you know what the next two verses say right after John 3.16? It goes on to say that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It says the one who believes in him is not condemned. But get this part, the one who does not believe stands condemned already. Friends, we must never forget the stakes are high. And on this night, that's like no other, we're reminded of that. The soul feels its worth. There's the thrill of hope. And the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. But secondly, this is a night like no other because we have this awareness of God's holiness. Listen again to these lyrics. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. O night divine, O night when Christ was born. Now true worship involves an awareness of God's holiness. Isaiah was a great prophet of God. And he had this encounter with the living God. He saw a vision of God high and lifted up. And his presence was just filling the temple. And angels were crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And do you know what his response was to that encounter with this holy God? He said, woe to me. I am ruined. <laughs> because I'm a, I'm a person, I'm a man here of unclean lips. And I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. But I've seen the Lord, the God Almighty. Think about that. When this prophet sensed the presence of God, his response was an attitude of unworthiness and awe. You know, I, I had the opportunity to meet and talk to and interact with the late Billy Graham on a number of occasions in my life some years ago. And I, I want you to know that, that when I first met him, I didn't go into his presence and go, Hey, dude. Hey, Billy. Hey, man, what's going on? What's up, dude? No, even though he is a flawed human being like the rest of us, a person of his stature demands respect. So the first time I met him, I walked into his presence, my heart beating a bit faster, and I reverently shook his hand and said, Dr. Graham, it's an honor to meet you, sir. And when we come into the presence of the living God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, our attitude should be one of wonderment and awe. The psalmist put it like this, But I, by your great mercy, will come into your house. In reverence will I bow down toward your holy temple. And the second stanza of O Holy Night talks about the reverence of the wise men when they came to worship Christ. 
led by light of a star sweetly gleaming. Here came wise men from Orient land. The king of kings lay thus in lowly manger, in all our trials born to be our friend. Fall on your knees. Wow. Here were these wealthy, highly educated, intellectual, influential foreigners who'd come from so far away and they bowed down before this little baby in worship. You know why? Because there's something about an awareness of God's holiness that humbles us. And that's what true worship is about. Well, finally, the last stanza of this great song teaches us that our actions are to be loving and compassionate. Listen to this. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love. And his gospel is peace. By the way, John Sullivan Dwight, the one who translated this song from its original French version into English, loved this song so much because he was uh, an ardent abolitionist. He hated the practice of slavery and he wanted it abolished forever. And so he loved these lines, change shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. By the way, that's why this song became so popular in America, especially in the northern states. Because it spoke of this freedom, and it spoke out against the bondage of slavery. Dear friends, Christ has come to break down barriers, hear me today, not just between God and people, but he's come to break down barriers between people and other people. That's why scripture says in Galatians 3.28 that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, because you're all one in Christ Jesus. And this glorious gospel that we have the privilege of proclaiming has been breaking down barriers and building bridges for 2,000 years now. I mean, think of the incredible inclusivity of this first Christmas event and the people that were a part of it. There were the shepherds. They were the down and outers, the nobody, the poor, the oppressed, the outcast, and they were a part of the celebration. And then there were the up and outers, the, the magi. They were the wealthy, the intelligent, the privileged people. And they were also a part of this grand celebration. And then there were the elderly who were included. An 84-year-old woman named Anna rejoiced at the birth of Christ. An elderly, gnarly priest named Simeon. Rejoiced that he had seen the day with his own eyes. He had been able to hold and see the promised one, the Messiah. There were the young and the old, the poor and the rich, the Jew and the Gentile. 
the up and outer, the down and outer, women and men. They were all apart. And they came from all walks of life. No one was excluded. And that, my friends, is a beautiful picture of God's church today. The real community of Christ is a place where everyone is welcome. Everyone seeking truth and grace is welcome at the foot of the cross. And so the way that we make Christmas holy is to express love to all of God's people. Listen, if you want to please me, you want to get on my good side, if you want to bring delight to my heart, listen, love my family. Be kind to them. And if you want to please God, love his family. That means overlooking and forgiving faults. It means putting others' interests ahead of our own. And it means adding value to people, whoever they are. Wow, what a glorious mission God has given us. And perhaps no one ever put it better than the Apostle John when he made these pithy words into one of the most grand mantras of all time. He said, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Truer words were never spoken. And so in just a few moments, as we sing Silent Night together, and as we light candles all over the sanctuary, let's let this moment be a powerful reminder of God's mission for us. And as the light passes from candle to candle, and as the sanctuary illuminates, let's let it be a poignant reminder that God has called you and me to go out and be light in this world. And let's do it in Jesus' name. And let's do it with a profound love. This is indeed a night like no other. Father, thank you for this incredibly holy night. And I ask by your grace you would remind us of the high stakes involved in Christ's mission. Lives are in the balance. Give us an awareness today of your holiness May we worship you properly because of that. And teach us all over again that our actions are to be loving and compassionate toward all people. We celebrate your mission. We celebrate your birth. And we do it in Jesus' name. Amen.